Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. All right, man, it is, it is an honor to be here with you guys, and he was way too gracious and kind. What we do at the Ark, uh, if you're new here, or maybe you haven't, I'm sure many of you know uh, about us just because you all are a vital church of a part of what we do at the Ark. Association of Related Churches is what it stands for, and we always say relationships in the middle for a reason. And, uh, you know, I've had my hand in over 200 church plants now over the last uh, three and a half years. And it's just awesome to be a part of what God is doing and to see the growth and to see churches like yourself and to come and experience a place that didn't exist just a little while ago. And here's a new environment where people can come and encounter God's presence and experience life. And it's just an awesome thing to be a part of. At Ark, we like to say, you know, it's a God-given vision to a pastor to plant a church. So I can't help them with that. So if a pastor comes to me, I, I, can't, I can't do that. There's no saying, hey, why don't you go plant a church? It's one of the hardest things you can do is go start a church. And so when a pastor has a vision, it's a God-given vision. That's what we believe. And then, then at Ark, we know that the, the local church is God's plan. You know, that is his plan. That's the way he started over 2,000 years ago. And he, he initiated and acts the local church, the body of believers, to meet together, encourage one another, do what we're doing here. Uh, you know, we, we, this is a very traditional church, in case you didn't know that, because you all worship the way the Bible says to worship, with raising and clapping and celebrating, honoring. So you're very traditional. I know that may not seem traditional to you in our context of what we live in, but really you are an old, you're really an old style church here, the way you all worship, uh, just with reckon abandonment to God is, is really the way God had intended for you to live in relationship with him. And so, you know, it is, it's God's A plan. It's his plan is the local church. It is the hope of the world. And Ark is simply here to come alongside pastors like that and to help, help equip them, resource them uh, financially, and all those things. And we just couldn't be, as an organization, we couldn't be more proud of your pastor, Michael and Amanda. You all are very blessed. I know you know that, but you're very blessed with incredible leadership in them. Uh, they love you dearly. Um, I, I'm sure some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, he's supposed to say that. And um, no, I'm not supposed to say that, but I will say it every time. that You really are blessed. As I go around the country, see different leaders and different churches, you all are so blessed in them because they truly love you. It's amazing. Last night, I'll tell you how much they love you. Last night, we had dinner uh, with Mike. We're sitting there and, and talking, of course, as an overseer and as a friend, I like to find out what's really going on. You know, you can, every, every one of us have a mask. We all do. We kind of like to mask things. But uh, when you have a true friend in your life, they can see through the mask. And that's why it's important to have relationships, someone that knows everything about you. And so I looked across the table and asked Michael, you know, how are you doing? Michael's response to me was this. He said, hey, hey I just want to know. I just want to know. You know, Michael, Rowe. I just, I just want to know. He's so intense. I just want to know. Are all the other pastors out there having as much fun as I am? Are they having as much fun in church as I am? That's the heart of your pastor. He loves you. He's for you. And his wife, Amanda, are wonderful people. And I know you honor them. I know you love them. And I just want to say you all are really blessed in leadership like that. And I hope you understand that you don't take it for granted. And I know you don't. Uh, but sure, sure love on them and appreciate them because they do an amazing thing. Let me give you some ARC stats here just to let you know what you're a part of because we're working together in this. You know, you, you all are here in Delaware and, uh, and, and worshiping here, but you all are a part of what's going on around the country through the Association of Related Churches. And it really is an amazing thing. I'm humbled to be a part of it, of what God is doing. Many leaders, spiritual leaders in our 
uh, our country today have said that the Association of Related Churches is the best church planting organization in the world. Um, and uh, those, those are what they're saying. And I think it's because of the numbers, the statistics we're seeing. We have a 93% success rate in the churches we're planting out there. And 20% is the success rate, the normal success rate that's out there. So we seem to be hitting on something that's working. And one of those is finding good leaders and pastors that are called and gifted to do it, and then coming alongside to help them. But you all are part of this, because when you give to this church, and I want to encourage you in that, when you give financially, it's your worship. You know, it's, God says, trust me with your resources and give to me, and he'll bless you. Uh, the pastor can't bless you. I can't bless you. It's between you and God. God says he will bless you if you trust him in that, in that relationship. So when you give to this church, what you're doing is amazing because your pastor is trying to leverage the resources that he has given so that you all get the best bang for the buck, I like to say it. What's the highest return of kingdom investment that they can give? And being a part of ARC, that's our part too, is we're constantly working on it so that we can help churches be so effective because it really is. Planting a new church and starting a new church is one of the best ways of evangelism. And so 100% of what you guys give to the ark goes into another church plant. We're set up and we're established as a, as a board. Our board oversees and takes care of all the overhead of ark, my salary, our team, and all of that. And so that every church like yourself that gives, 100% of it goes into another church planter just like this. So your resources are multiplying at an amazing rate. And let me just share some of these with you since I'm with you this morning. You're one of those churches that get these fresh stats. Um, so far this month, this is amazing, this month alone in September, we have planted 25 churches. Two are launching today, this Sunday. 25 in September alone. Yeah, it's amazing. Here's an amazing stat right here. 4,701 people have gone to a new church this month alone. This month alone. Went to a church that didn't exist before. 4,701 people. 200, this is amazing, 210 people have made decisions on that one day. 210 people made decisions to give their life to Christ. Now, that's a number worth celebrating, isn't it? It's awesome, because that's what it's about. It's not about just, we don't need just another church. We don't need another gathering. Who needs just another meeting to go to? Not me. Life's busy, right? So we want to go to a place that's making a difference, and they are making a difference. Here's another great one. Um, right now, we've planted 359 churches through ARC as an organization, and uh, this one's amazing. Just this year alone, and this is a very conservative number because I haven't gotten all the numbers uh, from our ARC churches in this one, but over 8,500 people this year alone have made decisions for Christ. 8,500 in ARC churches this year. Yeah, that's amazing. And you all get a part of that. When we get to heaven, there's going to be people that we never realized the impact we made, but together we're making a huge difference around the country. So I honor you all for that. Your faithful giving uh, to this church and your resources are being well invested. I'm so excited to be here because uh, I love seeing what God is doing. And as I oversee, as an overseer, as Michael said, what that simply is, if you're new to this church as well, it's kind of a structure that church has set up, is that Michael has an outside board called the Overseeing Board. And it's a group of guys that love him and his wife. And we're pastors. And we love you as a local church. And we're kind of an outside board. You have an internal board, the trustee board and, and uh, elders, things like that here that help serve locally here. But we're here to, to help your pastor and the leadership there just to help him with ideas, and just like he said, someone that he can, he can relate to as well. And we're, we're doing this together. We're in ministry and together and resourcing each other. And 
So it's an honor to come and to just see what God is doing. I was here a year ago, and you all have grown and are continuing to grow, and so it's, it's awesome to see that growth take place. But it's also awesome to worship with you because I get to experience just what you guys are doing, and, and you guys just, man, your worship team is outstanding. I mean, your worship, yeah, that worship this morning, I was ready to break it down pre-service. If you don't get here early, get here early. There was a little dance party going on, you know, sitting in this section right here. If you like bass, I love bass, low end. My car when I was in high school was thumping and hard. My son, now 16, just got a truck, and he's got a 10-inch with an 800-watt amp and everything, and we're just we're thumping it. He's like, you've got to try to be the cool dad. Actually, it's an excuse for me to go back and like what I do, you know, do. So, but, uh, but get here early if you want it thumping. But just God's presence here, just the, the excitement that you guys bring, the energy to the Lord, you know, uh, is what it's all about. And it's exciting to be a part of this series called Baggage. I love the idea I love the creativity. I love the concept. As I looked over the last few weeks that you guys have been in this four-part series today, uh, Michael asked me if I would kind of close out this series with you as part five to baggage. But what a powerful series. Because as you, you saw on the, on, the, uh, on the video there, the intro video there, isn't it true? I mean, traveling and with luggage and all that, I travel a lot being on a plane, and I hate luggage. I hate, I hate baggage. I hate the whole thing of giving somebody my baggage. Um, I just can't stand that. I hate the, the feeling that it's not going to get where I need to be, and then I'm not going to have the clothes I have. Like when I came here today, I did not check in my baggage. I didn't because I didn't want to show up in my underwear before you. That's always a bad dream I have all the time. And so that, uh, you know, you show up speaking in your underwear. It's just a bad dream. And I'll do anything to not have that dream come true. Not that it would, but, but so I'm not going to check my bag. So I carry my bags on. And, uh, I had my little backpack, and I'm a carry-on. I'm sticking it in the overhead. Why? Because I don't want anybody taking my baggage. I don't want anybody in, in my baggage. I don't want anybody going through my baggage, right? No one likes people all up in our junk or, or knowing what's really going on inside, right? We don't. And what a powerful series because the truth of the matter is we all have baggage. We all have baggage. And if you're here and you're new to this church, man, you're in a great place because this isn't a church about people with no baggage and about y'all have to be good and don't, 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 you know, we're perfect people in here. No, this is a hospital and some of us just got here before you did. That's all. We just, we just checked in a little earlier and that's it. And that's what the church is. That's what the church is supposed to be. Let's put it that way. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place where we can come in a safe environment where we can find out what our true potential is and to find out that the creator of the universe loves you, loves me, has a plan for me, and the enemy has tried to do everything he can from a very young age in our lives to try to steal, kill, and destroy our lives and to add as much baggage into our lives so that we can't reach our full potential. What the church is about is a place where you can come and be around people that say, man, I've got some junk too. And I need to be free from some junk, and we're all here. Some of us have just been in the hospital a little longer, so we're healed from some things. But you'll find people all around you that have been free from stuff. And I love this concept. I mean, you talked about unclaimed baggage in, in part one. Part two, you talked about the baggage of guilt. Man, if you, didn't, if you didn't get here for that one, I encourage you to go back and listen to these. They're powerful. The baggage of guilt. Man, I've, I've dealt with that one in my life. Um, the baggage of relationships. I tell you, most of us, that's where a lot of the baggage comes from, bad relationships, decisions we've made, people in our life that hurt, have hurt us and wounded us, some of the relationships we've done maybe. And, you know, the enemy tries to do that. Why? So that he can still kill and destroy life. He can keep you from your full potential. 
What God wants us to do is he wants to come in. He wants to help us with the baggage. And part four is what you guys did. You talked about breaking free. How do, we, how do we break free from that baggage in our life? How do we keep that baggage from keeping us going where we need to go? Because if you're gonna live life, you need to travel light. And that's what God's intention for you and for me is, is that we can reach our full potential and travel light and not have all this baggage that we're ashamed of, afraid of, and can't deal with. And today, I'm really honored to talk about part five this morning. And it, I really believe, I'm very passionate about this topic that I'm going to share with you out of God's Word. Because part five, we're going to talk about how to stay free from the baggage. A uh, powerful scripture you had was 2 Corinthians. It's not in your notes, but I want to review it for you. It was in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 4. You had it in a couple of the other parts, but it says, For we live in this world. <laughs> I thought you love the scripture. It is so relevant. <laughs> For we live in this world. Yes, we do. It's kind of like wherever you are, there you will be. So profound. For we live in this world, but here's the powerful thing. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. In other words, when we give our lives to Christ and the relevance of God's word and the power of God's word is that that the things we try to overcome just in the natural, with what we know in the natural, God gives us the ability through his word to do something supernatural. That the weapons he says to use in our lives to free us from baggage have divine power. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I know you've talked about that word in this series that word stronghold. But for those of you that haven't maybe dealt with that word or thought of it, it's kind of an unusual word. We usually don't walk around going like, yeah, bro, I got some strongholds in my life. Hey, you got any strongholds? Uh, We usually don't hear that word. But that word simply, a stronghold, is just, it just means someone that's a prisoner of deception. A stronghold is something that gets a part in our life and is a part of our life that keeps us from doing what we want to do. It's a stronghold. It can be an addiction. It can be something in our thought life, something somebody said to us that we believe and the enemy is used in our life as a stronghold. So when we want to step out and do something and achieve something, there's that thing inside of us that says, who do you think you are? You're not good enough. What about when you did this? And those are strongholds. And all of us will have to break free of those. And the word of God is there to give us the power to break these strongholds. So let's talk about it. Here we go again. We're free. We've talked about being free. Here we are in part five. We're going to talk about how do we stay free? And this is a topic you usually don't hear much about, but it's a powerful topic because it seems like we get free from something. And I don't know if you're like me, but you'll get free from something. You'll say, hey, I'm not going to do that again. I want to be better at this. And then all of a sudden you find yourself doing what? The same thing again. You get frustrated. You're like, man, here we go again. Am I ever going to learn? How do I get free from this? And it can seem like a cycle, and it's true, because it is a cycle. seems like that bag just keeps coming back. You see the carousel of the check-in line? You know, the bag just keeps turning and turning and turning, and it just keeps coming back around. And how do we break free? You know, in warfare, uh, in war, there's what's called an counterattack. It's very similar. In other words, you fight something, you go in and war and battle and you win the battle, you win the war there, you get the victory there. But then in warfare, they're always thinking about, okay, now how are we going to keep the counterattack 
How are we going to keep this thing free? Is something not coming back in to take over what we just brought freedom to? And that's the same thing in your life and my life. Matter of fact, the Word of God is so powerful. God talks about it in Luke chapter 11. I love the book of Luke. If you have your Bibles or you have your notes or your iPad, your iPhone, your eyelids, you can look it up there. But Luke chapter 11, or maybe take some extra notes here. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. I always think that. I I remember when I first read this, I just thought, wow, that's kind of crazy. An evil spirit leaves a person and it goes to the desert. We need to pray for the sun devils, the Arizona sun devils out there, other people in Arizona. <clears throat> That's where they all go, I guess. But anyway, it says it goes to the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, so it doesn't find any rest out in the desert, the spirit leaves, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former house is all swept and in order. This is powerful. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. Whew, what a scary little verse, huh? (laughs) Spirits, wow. I get set free. And then it takes off. It gets lonely out there. Goes find some buddies worse than itself. And comes and... Gets back inside me again. It's really an amazing thought, but it's true. Because what happens when you get free from something, haven't you found out that once you get free from something or you, God maybe sets you free or you want to break free or some, of something, and that very thing comes back around again, and then when you encounter it again, it's actually harder to get free from the next time. It actually gets worse than it does get better. That's the power of sin in our life. That's what it's talking about. And there's that nature, there's that, that thing in us that, that wants, to, wants to keep us bound. And this is a powerful verse because what, what, what the Word of God is trying to do here, what Luke is doing here, who wrote this, this isn't just God's Word. This is a man that wrote this, a doctor who wrote this to us to empower us on how to live today free and to give us some wisdom to say, look, when we get free from something, you need to understand there's a counterattack that will happen. And if you're not ready for it and prepared for it, it'll try to come and make you worse than you were from the beginning. Some people may say, well, see, I'll leave the devil alone. He'll leave me alone. I'll just keep the little demons I got and let them not have their friends come with me. And that's not the intention of all because you will never reach your full potential living life that way. God wants you set free. So how do we do it? We find this cycle that happens in our life. You'll see it in governments. You'll see it in business. You'll see it in finances. And you'll see it in your personal life. You want to take notes here. Here it is. Freedom. First thing we do is we fight for freedom. And that's what we'll see. You'll get free. Right? And that's what we all fight for. There's a little brave heart in all of us. Right? Freedom! And life gets so bad. The bondage gets so bad in our life. Whatever we're dealing with is so bad that we get to a place where we're like, man, I got to get free from this thing. And we'll fight for that freedom, and that'll happen, and we get free. Our country is founded on what? Freedom. It didn't just happen. People fought for it. You know it. You're living in a very historic part of the country. So I love about this part of the country. Very historic. Why? Because freedom was established and fought for, paid for by blood and death so that we could be free. We didn't have to be slaves or bound any longer. 
They wanted to be free. So they fought for that freedom. In our same life, we'll see that freedom. But then what happens when we get free? The next progression happens, and that is prosperity happens. Anytime you have freedom, then you go into a time of prosperity. Because that's what freedom brings. And that's what we see. So we get free from something, and now we're living this life. Oh, so good to be free. And with that freedom, we begin to prosper and we begin to enjoy life because we have the freedom that we so desired. But what happens in prosperity, if we're not careful, and it happens all the time, is that we don't know how to handle freedom. And we don't know how to handle prosperity. And so we become lazy. We become complacent because we enjoy the prosperity that we have. And we, we, we stop realizing that we've got to continue to watch out for a counterattack. We don't handle prosperity well, and we don't handle success well, and so we become arrogant, and we become, become proud, prideful, thinking that this is the way it's always been, and it will always be here, and prosperity will just always be here, and it doesn't, and it leads us right back to the third thing, and that is bondage, and it's a cycle, and you'll see it historically in nations, you'll see it in businesses, You'll even see it probably in your own personal life. I know I've experienced it that way. You become free, you're excited, then you live in a time of prosperity in that. And then if you're not careful, you put your guard down a little bit, stop doing the things you once did that got you your freedom, and then we end up right back in bondage. You know, I live down in the South. I'm from Colorado originally, but I've been in the South uh, a lot of my life now, and it's a fun place to live. We love, we love the South. We love the culture, y'all. You know, they wave, roll tide, war eagle, all that fun stuff. But we're right next to, we're, we're two states away from a state that is really kind of interesting. It's called Louisiana. And you all are very familiar with it. They're called Cajuns because they have made themselves so popular with TV today. Because Cajuns are taking the world of reality TV by storm. I think there's over eight reality shows, and they're all about different Cajun people, right? I mean, we've got all kinds of Cajun reality shows. We've got the Bug Exterminator, you know, Billy the Exterminator. The best one right now is, what's the most famous one? What's the best one that the reality show with the Cajun people is? What is it? Duck Dynasty, baby. Duck Dynasty. Two of my girls have shirts. They warmed happy, 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 you know? <laughs> Love it. Little Sigh, you know, one of my favorite characters. Yeah, Duck Dynasty. Well, you know, the Cajun people now... They love to have fun. And, and we always tell these Cajun stories about this guy named Boudreaux. I don't know if you've heard a Boudreaux joke before, but I figured since I came from the South and, and, and the Cajun land, I'll tell you about Boudreaux. Because the people down there, as you see, they talk a little bit different than the rest of us, you know. They have them Cajun accent. And so Boudreaux has his friend Thibodeau and his friend Pierre. And down there, they, they do things a little bit different. Their logic is a little bit different. And Boudreaux was trying to get free from this cycle that he was seeing here where he needed some freedom. His health wasn't so good, you know, so he had to stop them smoking. But he really liked him cigar, and so he always put him a little cigar in his pocket. And every time he would see him friend Thibodeau, Thibodeau come up to him, shake his hand, say, hey, Boudreaux, and then smash his other hand in his pocket. Well, when he had smashed his hand into his pocket to Boudreaux, Boudreaux gets so angry because he crushed every cigar that he had in his pocket and destroyed him cigar. So Boudreaux think, I, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this right. I know how to do this. A little Cajun logic going to help me fix this. Well, Pierre comes by one day, sees Boudreaux, and Boudreaux got them stick of dynamite in his pocket. Full of pocket, got dynamite in his pocket. And Pierre says, Boudreaux, what you doing there, huh? You got them dynamite sticks sticking out of your pocket. What you doing? And Boudreaux says, you know, every time I see them Thibodeau, he come up to me 
And he'd take him hand, shake my hand, and then he'd take his other hand, and he smashed my pocket right here, and it break every cigar that I had. And he said, you know what? I'm going to stop that right now, I guarantee. He's going to hit my pocket, and I'm going to blow him hand off. <laughs> now, that's a little Cajun logic. <laughs> May seem really smart, right, on how to do it, but it's not going to work too well. And sometimes that's what we think. How do we get free from this stuff? How do you get rid of bondage without destroying yourself? Well, let's take a look at what God's Word has to say about staying free. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, had to really work at this. And what I love about what we're talking about is Paul worked with church planting. He worked with churches, starting churches. And what happened is the churches would find freedom in Christ. They would find freedom out of a religious order or a bunch of duty which many of us may have found as well, because it happens still today. We can have just religion, and religion really doesn't help us much. It's a relationship that, God's, that God is wanting from us. And so, so Paul was dealing with the same thing, that the church gets free from religion. People were bound by religion, religious rules, a bunch of duties. So people felt like God's law and everything was all about duty and doing and doing, and it's not. And what Jesus came to do and bring to us, not another bunch of religious ideas and not a bunch of rule books to say that you can't have any fun in life and a bunch of rules. What Jesus came to do is give us true freedom in life so that we don't stay in bondage. And Paul was dealing with that, and the early church was dealing with that because it would, it would experience freedom, but then it would try to go back to religious duties again and find itself in bondage. And he was trying to encourage them. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, he said this. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's not for bondage that he came to set us free. It's for freedom, to experience freedom in our life, that Christ came to set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves. You may want to underline that or write that little verse there next to your notes or somewhere. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. What a powerful verse because God does the supernatural part of this. But there's then, there is a responsibility that we have, that you and I have, in staying free. And that's what I want to encourage you in here this morning with the remaining time that I have. My prayer is, is that this will help you as it has helped me four things on how to stay free. Number one is you've got to have a humble life. It takes a humble life to stay free. When you get free, usually what happens is when we're struggling with something, there's something in our life that brings bondage to us or we're ashamed of or we don't want anybody else to know a mistake we made. None of us want, none of us want anybody else to know that, right? But we get to finally to a point where it so controls us or we really got to be free from. We don't care who knows, right? We'll, we'll finally find somebody to break free from that. But the challenge is, is that then we'll try to walk in pride again and we forget. And what will help us is if we just stay humble, and have a humble life. One of my mentors has mentioned, said something, a quote to me that I've just tried to live my life by, and it's so true. He says this, because of a man, if a man, because a man is on, if a man is on his face before God, he will never fall from that position. If a man is on his face before God, he'll never fall from that position. And so to have a humble life means that we just stay humbled and submitted to God's plan. We realize that, no, he is the Lord and the author of our life. And we just stay humble. Now, humility doesn't mean weakness. And humility doesn't mean that we have no spine. And humility doesn't, humility doesn't mean we don't stand up for things that are right and to do good. No, humility means that we just, we put others before ourselves. That we realize that we're not it. We're not the big thing 
but it's about others, and we put others before ourselves. First Peter 5, uh, I put there on your notes, 5 through 7, but I want to focus here on verse 6 in First Peter. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. He may lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up, but God will lift you up. David knew this very well back in the Bible days. David learned how to live a humble life in, in Psalm 51. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise that. In other words, when we stay humble, God is right there with us. When we get arrogant, that's why the Bible says God hates pride. He doesn't hate the person, he hates pride. You know why God hates pride and hates those things in our life? Matter of fact, that's the one the Bible says he hates. The other ones he, he dislikes, he doesn't like, but he says he hates pride. Because what pride does is we don't know we're proud. When we're prideful or arrogant, we don't know it. Everybody else sees it and knows it, but we're proud. So we don't even know we're in that condition. And it's hard for God to do something in us because of our arrogance and our pride. So stay humble. It takes a humble life to stay free, right? To prevent this counterattack, the next thing you need to do is you need to take an honest approach. You need to take an honest approach. You need to be honest with God and with others. And this is so powerful. This is so powerful. This is why relationships are so important. 1 John 1, 9 there in your notes says, if we confess our sins... He, being God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. That's a great thing. And he'll purify us from all unforgiveness. In other words, that's the breaking free. We've talked about that. We go before God. We say, God, I'm sorry. I've made mistakes. I, I need your help. I repent. I'm sorry for these decisions I'm making. He forgives us. And I love the second part. It says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. In other words, we are imperfect people and we make imperfect decisions. But God forgives us when we confess, when we, when we allow ourselves to confess what's going on. James 5, 6 then is a powerful verse. And it says, therefore, and every time there's a therefore, we need to know what it's there for. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what's the word there? healed. In other words, confession to God brings forgiveness in our life and cleanses us. But you want to know where the healing comes from? How we get healed from this is each other, is one another. Now I know, see Sunday morning, this is an environment for you to get healed right now. This moment right here isn't the moment for you to get healed. It's not going to happen right here because not a single one of you, myself included, would want to stand up right now in this group of people and say, hey, I got a confession to make. I got some things I need to let you all know about. <laughs> no, no, not one of us would want that. Matter of fact, you would freak out and leave. I started calling people out. I was in a meeting where I felt like, you know, a guy would start thinking like, someone here is thinking about this. And I'd be praying, oh, Lord, let him not hear my thoughts. Let him not think my thoughts. <laughs> no, why? Because in this room, in this context, you're not going to get healed. That's what I love about this church, because if you just come here on a Sunday, it won't work for you, because church is not about just Sunday. It's about what takes on throughout the rest of the week and what the church is about, and what you guys have going on, it's called small groups. We have small groups of people that meet together, 
The power of a small group isn't even the the topic itself in the group. Those are great things and the topics are great. But the purpose of a small group is where you get there, you rub shoulders with people and you get to be around people that are working out issues in their life too and you get real enough and maybe you'll find one or two people in that group, maybe not everybody, but that you can get real with and you can say, you know what? I'm having an issue with this. I need some help with this. And when you confess that, that's what brings healing in our life when we have people in our life to get healed from. And leads us to the third thing. This one's really powerful for me. This is, this is one that really helped me. And that is that in order to stay free, in order to keep this counterattack from happening in our life, man, it's a head game. It's a head game. This battle takes place between these ears right here. It's in the mind. You may have heard the term, right? It's just all in your mind. And it's exactly right. It's all in our mind. It's in our head. Our head, our brain is a powerful thing that God created is, the, is our brain. It's our thought life. The Bible knows the power of the mind. It's the place. It's the battlefield of where we stay free. It's our thoughts. They play a huge role in how we stay free. Our brain is very complex. You know, there's parts of the brain that are creative. There's parts of the brain that have logic to it. There's parts of the brain that that deal with communication. And then the innermost part of your brain, and biologically, is the part of your brain, and they even have a hard time describing it, but the the inner part of your brain is the part where your feelings come from. You ever ever had something, you just said, just didn't feel right in my gut? Just didn't feel right. Well, what's that feel right? What is that, just... A nebulous thing. No, there's something, it's in the, it's the inner part of your brain that deals with the part of feeling. It deals with your emotions. The brain is a powerful part of us. What I love about God's word is it addresses that very thing. Matter of fact, Paul is telling us in the, his word, he says, man, the battlefield of life is right here. It's taking authority in your mind. Put it in your notes there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, verse 5, it says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, and when I first heard that, I thought, man, take captive every thought. Yeah, right, man. I, how do you take captive every thought? How do you keep a thought coming into your head? Well, you can't. You can't control the thoughts. Some of them you can, which you put before your eyes, which you choose to, to put in front of you, the choices you make. It all goes into your brain like a file. It files everything. That's why it's powerful what we see, what we do, the choices we make. It begins to, to, to make us who we are. But then there's thoughts that come, if you're like me, that I didn't generate. They just come. Where do they come from? You're like, man, why am I thinking that? Why do I think that? Because you can't control those thoughts. Because the enemy, same thing, comes in with thoughts in our mind. You can't control maybe the thoughts that come in your mind, but you can control what happens to those thoughts once they come into your mind. And that's the power of understanding that it is a head game and your role to play. And that's what the Bible's saying here is take captive every thought. A thought comes into your head. And what does that look like? I break free of some insecurity in my life. Maybe I grew up and my mom or my dad or someone said something to me, a teacher said, you'll never amount to anything, Corey. You're no good. Maybe I hear that. What do I do with that when all of a sudden I'm trying to do something later on in life? All of a sudden that thought comes through. I want to take advantage of an opportunity or want to do something great. And where's those thoughts? All of a sudden the thought says, who do you think you are? You know you're not worth anything. You know who you are. It's a powerful thing. It's the head game that takes place. We've got to take captive every thought. 
You know, I heard a great story that kind of illustrates this. A guy walked into this pet store, and he walks in, and he's just shopping around, and this guy has a parrot in the back of the pet store. And all of a sudden, this parrot cries out to this guy walking in. He says, hey, you! The guy looks around. Hey, you! He looks around. Sees a bird back there, and the parrot says, yeah, you! Come here! The guy's thinking, that's great. This parrot's calling my name out. What kind of bird is this? So the guy walks up to this parrot. The parrot looks at him and says, you're the ugliest person I've ever seen. And the dude's like, what? what's up with that? And a parrot, he calls them owner. And he says, dude, your parrot just totally insulted me. Said I was the ugliest person you ever see. Why would you have a bird that insults your customers like that? Well, the owner says, I'm sorry, sir. I'm very sorry for that. It'll never happen again. I really apologize for that. Please come back again. And the guy leaves. He's insulted, right? So the owner looks at the parrot and smacks him up one side. The beak smacks him up the other, plucks a few feathers and says, don't you ever insult my customers again. So the bird kind of straightens up. Guy comes back two weeks later, walks into the pet store. He's walking around. The bird's in the back. Bird's like, hey, you! I'm like, what? Looks back at the bird, and the bird looks at him and says, you know. <laughs> How many of us have that voice, that parrot? We want to get free, and the voice says, you know. You know who you are. God says you can do all things. I've come to set you free. I've come to give you life. You've got great potential. There's a purpose for you. You're not an accident. I have a divine calling and a purpose for each and every one of you. And the enemy will come with a thought that you're not even controlling that will come in. And where does it come from? And it says, you know who you are. It's the power of your mind. That's why God's word is so powerful that we counter that attack in our mind with the power of God's word. And so how do we do it? The last one, I'll close with this. Use Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test, approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. That's how you do it. apply God's word to it. And then the last thing here is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, there's, there's the role that we play in this is that we want to get free and we confess and we live a humble life and we do these things. We take captive every thought that tries to come into our mind so that we can be what God calls us to be. But here's the awesome thing is that is God doesn't require you to do it alone, that he gives you the power of his spirit. The Bible calls him the Holy Spirit. It's that other voice that will come inside of you that will encourage you, that will be the counselor and the comforter. As you draw close to God, God says he'll draw close to you. And how is God drawing close to you? And that is that he sent his spirit, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit to come. We talked at the beginning of our talk here about those evil spirits that go and it comes back and sees the house is swept clean. So then you fill the house with what? You fill the house with God's spirit inside of you. Because when you do that, it can't come back. And the Holy Spirit's the one that helps you stay free. He is the agent of change. He'll set you free and he'll be the voice that's right there to encourage you. Man, I've had that in my life so many times where I felt like I could not do what um, God was calling me to do. There's so many challenges that I face in my life and I didn't think I could do them. There was a time in my life where I was experiencing in time where I thought I was gonna go really mentally insane. I really thought I was going crazy. The pressures of life and what I was dealing with was so huge and so weighted. I didn't think I could contain it. I didn't think I could make it through it. And I just began to cry out to God in my car. I wanted to go get drunk, to be honest with you. I really did. 
Matter of fact, the little voice was there, just go get drunk, escape reality. It's just way too hard. And I wanted to. But then there was this other little voice right there. It's almost like the little cartoon with the little devil right here and the little angel right here. And it was almost like that picture of then, don't do it. Don't do something stupid. You'll regret. Then I was frustrated. Ah, can't stand this. I'm just, you know, now I got this battle in my mind going on. What do I do? I just started crying out to God in my car. People probably thought I was insane. But anyway, I started crying out to God and worshiping God in his spirit, the Holy Spirit. The presence of God came in that moment in that car as I was crying out and worshiping to God. And as what the Bible says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, began to guard my heart and my mind, and I knew it was going to be okay. I could have gotten drunk, and I could have escaped reality. I could have done that, but I would have felt worse, and nothing would have changed. Because nothing changed. I worshiped God and allowed his spirit to fill my mind and my heart and my life, and peace came, and I didn't live with regret. Now, nothing changed in either one of those situations, but the result was different. See it? You've got to transform yourself from the pattern of the world, what it would say to do, and what God wants you to do. And that is be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead and direct your life. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, what's the word? Freedom. There is freedom. And that's what the whole plan of this series was all about. That's what this church is all about. That's what I love about coming and being a part of churches like this, overseeing churches like yourself. Is it not about a bunch of rules and regulations? It's not a bunch of got to, it's a bunch of get to. It's where God's word comes alive in your heart to help you understand that it's very practical and real and that God wants you to be free. He sees potential in you, he loves you, and he wants you to stay free. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes with me right where you are, I wanna take a moment.